Welcome to Dad's class. Welcome to the podcast where I, Devin Pierce, bring you the tools of my toolbox. So whether you are parenting, going to be one, or just adulting, it is my goal to help you be better equipped for life's great adventure. Welcome to Dad's class. My name is Devin Pierce, and this is take two of this week's episode. I had an audio issue with my last recording, which was recorded live back on May 19th, and I'm doing a re-recording here on the 21st, prior to editing, for everybody's listening ears, on the 22nd. There's always something. Um, Back on Tuesday was my parents' 36th wedding anniversary. Wednesdays I do the recordings, but we planned to sneak out to my parents' place while they were at work and do some around-the-home to-do list items for them. We finished up the drywall on their porch. It's been sitting there for a bit. And we painted my mother's front door, and the paint was prepared back in 2012. So she'd been waiting for a a little bit on that one. That was kind of our way of giving them a happy anniversary, Mother's Day, Father's Day, since they got married right between those two things. <laughs> also works as a happy Mother's Day gift, too, I guess. Or a uh, birthday gift for my mother, I should say. Because she also had a birthday at the beginning of this month. How are you folks doing? I hope you guys are doing well. I hope that parenting has been a joy. You guys have managed to find some time to relax yourselves, do some self-care. Because you can't take care of anybody if you haven't taken care of yourself. Now, as I kind of already preluded to, I've been playing with cameras this past week. Took some outside, taking pictures here and there, and trying to get a handle on these cameras. Uh, We went out with the friends of ours that are going to be taking some photos for us when we get married here next month and scoped out some locations. We're still doing yoga, although yesterday we didn't get one in because we were out of my parents' place from the minute my mother got into town. We're like, okay, go, And we worked on finishing up those little projects, like I mentioned. Unfortunately, after a long day of standing out in the sun doing painting and whatever else, and still wrangling our three children, we decided we needed a yoga-free day. Probably going to have to make up for it somewhere along the lines, but uh, did it this morning. So, you know, we didn't lose the bandwagon. We just hit a bump in the road. But yeah, been a pretty busy week for me. I hope everybody else has been staying busy. It is always more uh, conducive to your sanity if you can keep yourself busy. Now, I don't mind having idle hands from time to time. And you do need that for your own mental stability to just do nothing once in a while. But we're always trying to find that balance, right? Last class, we talked about internet safety and we touched on you know, setting goals for what our children's screen time should look like. So there was that. And I might have a tip. Well, I know I have a tip at the three quarters of the way through this episode that will tie back into last week's episode with a nifty little idea. Uh, last weekend, I did my time over at twitch.tv slash crowneso. I usually try and stream there Friday and Saturday nights. I play a game called Elder Scrolls Online. It's just something to put on, listen to some good music. Come on by, have a conversation or two. 
nice relaxing stream. Nothing too crazy. And uh, yeah, so right now we're looking at every Friday and Saturday evening starting around 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Back on Sunday, we did our Jackbox party here on the podcast over at Mixer.com slash Dad's Class. And it didn't go so well. We did have a few people come out uh, and participate in the Jackbox party along with my spouse. But we ended up switching over to Facebook uh, and creating a Facebook video call room there, which worked much better for us. Uh, there was quite a bit of lag from the game to Mixer, which was causing problems with some of the games. But otherwise, we were able to figure it out. We had a good time. I do have some recording from the Mixer broadcast side of things. And I will be making a couple of clips and posting them over on the Facebook event page, as well as our Facebook page, for those who might be interested in seeing uh, some of the more comical moments that occurred. Whew. Monday... That's what made part of my week so busy is Monday I uh, emergency filled in for the U.S. Geocaching Hour tweet chat on Twitter. Uh, We didn't have a guest host and most of us regular hosts have a schedule as to when we can or are able to do the hosting. Luckily, I was available to fill in the gap and make sure that we didn't miss a week of our show or program or talk. I don't know. Still hosted. Uh, unfortunately, though, I was pretty busy all day Monday doing the show notes, or not show notes, but the questions that we asked for that hour, and then getting them out to everybody, and hosting that event. It was a little bit extra on my plate that I didn't quite need, but uh, we got her done. And that got us over to, after I was done hosting that, I went out and recorded our top five Tuesday from this past week which was the five things that change when you become a grandparent versus when you were a parent. We got to send out a little conversation text message to my parents, my spouse's parents, and my grandparents and got their opinions on the subject matter. And then I shared that with you guys. And that was a test run for this camera to see the image quality and play around with the settings early in the week. Alrighty. This week, I'm doing a little bit different with my show notes. I decided to format them differently. So if I get a little lost in this, or if this drags on, that might be why. Today, we're coming back to Old Faithful, the Raising Responsible Children series of pamphlets provided by the Parent Institute. You can find them at parentinstitute.com. Parent-institute.com, I should say. Parent-institute.com. And the topic that we're discussing today, guys, is going to be consistent discipline. You know, experts say that all discipline should be firm, fair, and consistent. And that's the key to good discipline. And that that is the full title of this particular documentation. For audio listeners, this week's pamphlet is a seafoam green featuring a father and son with tight-knit curly hair, obviously of an African descent. They're shaded in. 
I do appreciate that they have had a very diverse grouping of families and roles shown on the uh, pamphlet covers for these. It's been really cool. So the first thing I want to talk about, guys, is what is it? What is consistent discipline and the parts towards good discipline? The first one I want to talk about is firm. Firm can sometimes have this negative connotation that it's harsh or punishing, but it it's not. It's actually what we're looking for when we say firm is the middle ground or the Goldilocks zone between going too easy on someone and being too harsh on them. That's what we're aiming for. Is it right in the middle? That's what we call firm discipline. It also consists of setting clear limits with a clear message. So I expect you to do this. You are being punished because of this. Don't use the word punishment because it has a negative connotation. And also people tend to connect discipline with punishment, but discipline doesn't actually mean punishment. They are not synonyms of each other. In fact, discipline is a word for teaching. To establish discipline, discipline, to establish discipline is to educate. So I'm kind of a better idea as to, you know, discipline doesn't mean punishment. Firmness is about finding that middle ground. Why is this important? Children learn through good discipline. Like I said, it's about teaching, not about punishment. And with that, they learn how to self-discipline. Children are not born with any level of self-discipline. And only what we teach them can help them reach the achievable goal of being able to self-discipline. And the, the real kicker to the importance of us disciplining our children is the fact that these lessons are going to last the rest of their lives and have an impact on almost everything that they do. Now, simply having an idea as to what something is or why it's important isn't necessarily enough motivation towards following through on it, but we should. Parents who establish good discipline are the type of people who mean what they say. These are the ones that are making sensible decisions. They are enforcing the rules every time. And as this becomes a habit, this good, firm discipline you have to use it less often. And the reason for that is because children will then know what is expected of them as well as what to expect from when they make poor choices. If a child doesn't know what the consequences are, what the consequences could be, sometimes testing their limits is simply about learning what is going to happen. Before you can establish good discipline, it comes down to setting out fair rules. We're going to break it down. We've looked at We've defined firm, and we know what fairness is. We all have a basic understanding of fairness. But what makes fair rules? Because that's where discipline starts. You have to know what rules you have to abide by before you can be punished for not following them. So children have an innate sense of fairness that they are born with. And this is something that we carry with us throughout our entire lives. At a very early age, children recognize when they're not being treated the, in a way that is good. 
fair rules are followed rules. When everybody understands that a rule is in place for whatever reason, and it's equally a rule for everyone, that fairness, people are more likely to adhere to it. If Johnny has one rule, but Billy doesn't follow that rule and doesn't get punished for it, why would Johnny follow the rule? Because Billy never gets punished for disobeying it either. It's also a good thing to remember that when you're setting out rules, your kids want and need fair rules to kind of guide them through the mess that is the world. It's a good starting point for where it's going to project them outwards for the rest of their lives. Where to establish rules is at your family meetings. So, you know, last week's family meeting, you sat down after listening to the podcast and you guys decided on how internet was worked in your household and set out rules and established guidelines for screen time and all that because you guys do all the homework I tell you to do, right? It's okay. I haven't done that with my kids either. Whoops. It goes back to that role modeling. I got to work on that. <laughs> but at your next family meeting, as a suggestion, it might be time to review your family rules. When you're establishing family rules, you want to sit down with your kids. And we have talked about this on the podcast before. But you want to sit down with your kids. You want to talk to them about the rules. Consider their opinions. Provide options when they give you sillier things. Especially younger kids. They like to goof around at family meetings. At the end, though, it is up to you to make a decision as to what your family rules will be. And we're going to dig into this a little bit further yet, but those are some key components. Talk with your kids about them. Consider their opinions. Provide options. You know, if they say, I don't like this, well, maybe the, there's this option or that option. At the end, you do make the decision, though. You're the parent. So you're sitting there. You're having your family meeting. You've talked to your kids. They've given you their input. You're deciding what things actually need rules. And how are you going to word them? When you're setting out your rules, you have to be specific. Spell out exactly what the rule is. Don't generalize. Now, don't say every night you go to bed and expect them to follow a specific chart or rules uh, or routine on how to go to bed. Every child will follow their nighttime routine chart at the end of the day. That is a specific rule that says you have to follow your bedtime routine checklist. When you're establishing a rule, also make sure that you explain why each rule is important. This helps with your children's memory, and they're more likely to remember it with that extra information as to why they have to do it than if you just tell them to do it. Be reasonable with all of your rules. Uh, good things to consider under that heading is your child's age, and their own ability. You know, you can't have a rule for a child with disabilities that goes against their disabilities, that kind of thing. You got to think about what you're doing. You know, but be reasonable with your expectations of your children and of yourself. Remember that rules are living documents, and they need to 
change with time. As your kids get older, rules will change or need to be added or taken away, those kinds of things. Limit the number of rules. Remember a little while ago we talked about KISS, right? Keep it simple, stupid. Our family rules, we have three. We used to have four, but we can never remember what the fourth one was, so we decided it wasn't that important. We're down to three. Treat others and their things, their possessions, with respect. Keep our feet quiet and walking. My kids need to work on that one. Use your words to communicate. That one comes in because we had emotional outbursts a lot, and we had... Uh, my daughter used to squawk and make other sounds instead of communicating with words. So we put that in as a rule. You have to use words to communicate. If you're yelling at me, you know, just screaming at the top of your head or you're just making a bunch of sounds, I'm not going to respond to you because you are not communicating to me. So as you can see there, three rules. That's it. Deal with situations as they come up and talk about appropriate consequences with your children. But another thing to consider when you are establishing your family rules is to ask yourself a rule or an agreement. Chores are not in a rule. Chores are an agreement. You agree to do these chores. Yes. Okay, you're going to do these chores X number of times a week. That is an agreement. And I think that works as a pretty good example as to where you might find it fits more in that category. I'm going to bring it back to the topic of firm. Uh, we're going to talk, look at how do you go about finding Goldilocks, essentially. You know, we want you to state your expectations. you got to tell somebody what you want from them, or they won't know what they need to do for you. If you tell your kids, I expect you to not run in the house. Okay, that's pretty straightforward. But if you just tell them to walk better, or that's not how you should walk in my house, it doesn't really say what you do want them to do, does it? Use a confident tone. You don't want to be emotionally enveloped with anger, and you don't want to also be overly cautious with your tone and be like, oh, I don't want you guys to walk, uh, run. Right? You have to find confidence and produce your voice in a confident and clear message. Not too soft so that they think that you're not really being serious and not too harsh so that they think that you're angry. Finding another little Goldilocks zone there. Neutral facial expression. If your eyebrows are furled, that's not neutral. Something you can do actually is a game we've talked about uh, from the Bounce Back series of books when we were doing our Building Resiliency series. I forget which age group it was. It was the, one of the younger two ones. But there's a game called The Face Game where you reveal different emotions uh, on your face and try to have your child label them. And that's to teach and coach children how to understand other people's emotions and to empathize with them however if you stand in front of a mirror and play the same game with yourself you can learn to control your facial muscles much more precisely 
to ensure that you know where neutral is on your face. If you can give yourself a neutral looking face, one that doesn't have any, not blank, but not a negative emotion being thrown across your face. You don't look angry. You don't look sad. You don't look uncertain of what you're saying. That's the goal. So if you feel like you can't really achieve that on your own, take the time, stand in front of a mirror, and just practice moving your face around to see what you can come up with so you can learn where that middle ground is for you, where that neutral facial expression is for you. When we're being firm, we also want to follow that rule we talked about in the past here about your nose with your toes, getting down and meeting their gaze, getting locking eye contact, and consider your arm positioning as well. If your hands are on your hip or if your arms are crossed, you're blocking your body language to other people is showing that you're either being aggressive or that you aren't receiving what the other person is saying. Uh, if you are like myself, you're getting older, sometimes you can't get down comfortably to a child's level. Explain to the child that you are in pain and either find somewhere where you can sit down to be more at their level or hold their hands and have them make eye contact with you looking up, but explain to them it's just because I'm uncomfortable trying to get to your level. Uh, you know, there's no reason to hurt yourself in trying to help somebody else. And lastly, when you're being firm, it is again about setting a clear limit with the outcomes that are going to be followed through on. You cannot do that. You will do this or this will happen. Plain and simple. You state your expectations and what will happen if they are not followed upon. So that was firmness. We've defined it. We've gone back and talked about how to find it. We talked about fairness. And the third key to good discipline is consistency. Consistency can also be looked at as a stability that breeds resilience. If children know that things are going to happen a certain way, they can better prepare themselves for how to deal with that situation. That's what we've talked about in our bounce back series and the resiliency series here on the show. Children are going to test their parents. That's just the nature of the beast. They may even go so far as to completely disobey a rule just to see if you're going to fall through on the punishment you told them you were going to give them. Perfectly normal behavior. Annoying is all heck, but uh, perfectly normal. If you are making exceptions, you are making confusion for your children, by the way. If you have a rule in your house that there is no screen time until homework is done, but then they ask if they can do their homework in front of the screen and things like that, and you let them do that, you let them get away with violating a rule on purpose, you are creating for them an inconsistency which in turn will cause an internal confusion. And they'll start to doubt not just the rule you let them bend, but all of them. And if you just got your child to a nice place where they're following the rules and everything's been going good for a while, and you bend a rule for them, you could potentially cascade that into them going back to the beginning and testing all the rules. Slippery slope. You don't want to get into it. I just kick things. 
So again, that comes back to the always enforce your rules. That's what consistency is, something that continually happens and is guaranteed or predictable to do so. You just spent the time with your family to make a good set of rules that were positive, had a good positive tone to them. Uh, everybody understands why they're a rule, all those things. So you should feel confident in your rules enough to actually enforce them. It's really that simple. If you come about your rules and you feel that you're uncomfortable enforcing them, maybe you need to revisit them again. One of our favorite adages in this household is, it takes a village to raise a child. You can't do it all on your own. Everybody's got to pull some sort of weight. We even had an entire series of geocaches that we hid based around this theme where we got donations from other members of the geocaching community to pull together and supply us with goodies for the uh, final of that series. Every single person, though, that raises your kid should be following the same set of rules. This is consistency. And your child will then know how to behave regardless of who they are with because they'll know they have the same expectations of behavior. I understand if you have grandparents that are actively involved in your children's lives that they tend to spoil the kids. Just a top five Tuesday, and that was one of the things that grandparenting grandparents say is way better about grandparenting over parenting. It's spoil them. This goes back to that keeping it simple with your rules. If you have, like we do, three simple rules. Everyone who looks after my kids can agree that they don't want the kids running and stomping through the house. Everybody can um, agree that showing people respect is a good way to behave. And everybody can understand the need for our children to communicate using their words. Or sign language if they know the signs for it. We haven't been actively practicing lately, so they're kind of slipping. But, you know, those three simple rules were rules that no matter where they go are easy for the people in charge to ensure they're being followed. The same goes for if you're working in a situation with a split home. If your children are bouncing back and forth, you and your ex don't have to have the exact same set of rules, but as long as your core rules are close enough to each other, that it's not gonna cause an undue amount of confusion for your kids. And you're gonna have to have a conversation with them if you're finding that they're not the same. Some people that's easier than others. Throw yourself out onto the bridge and take the hit for it. Have the conversation. The more consistency in every location your children are raised, the better their overall behavior will be for everybody. And of course, the adage, the old one-two that we always come back to, role modeling, is where your actions are consistent with your words. You say what you're going to do and you do what you're going to say that simple. That is what we want role modeling to look like. We want it to be about follow through. We want it to be that we are meaning what we say. This is where you have to lead by an example. I am really poor at showing the house respect by not wearing my shoes in the house after I've been outside in them. If I want my children to 
uh, follow through on taking their shoes off, I need to make sure that I'm role modeling that for them. I'm really good with my actual shoes, but I'm currently wearing flip-flops. I'm always wearing flip-flops in the house, constantly. They're really comfortable. Right. Boom. With role modeling, we are the ones following the rules, right? We want to show them. We want to lead by example. And so with that, when you're writing your family rules, make sure you're considering your own actions and behaviors, your own needs, not just what your kids need to improve upon, but what you need to improve upon or do better with. If you know you're never going to figure out how to take all of your footwear off of the door before you walk into the kitchen to unload your arms, then maybe taking your shoes off at the door isn't the rule your family needs. You can work on that as a behavior that you want to improve upon, but maybe not write that down as an immediate rule. The next thing that you're looking for when you're building upon these rules and this consistency that you want for your children is to consider both natural and logical consequences. Now, natural consequences are what happens as a direct result of the child's behavior or action. You know, they stick their hand in a door as they close it, they crush their fingers, it hurts. That's the natural consequence. With natural consequences, though, we still need to coach our children about what has happened, what their outcome means, and how they can learn from that outcome, especially when they're younger. Or if they have conditions such as ADHD or ODD, ADHD impedes their ability to focus on why or what happened. And ODD actually prevents their brain from bridging actions to consequences. And that includes when something bad happens, not just in their behavior, but when they hurt themselves. You know, what caused me to hurt myself? I don't know. Let's try it again. So make sure you're coaching your kids, regardless of whether or not they have any disability because that can make sure that they're learning a good lesson from what just happened instead of just, oh, that hurts. Logical consequences is a chosen consequence. This is where a natural outcome didn't occur. That's where you're supposed to find a logical one. Um, lies is a good example here. You know, the way you react, you getting mad at your child because you caught them in a lie. Lies in your reaction is not a consequence. It's a reaction. You know, that's not the consequence for their, that's not the natural consequence of their actions. They're, the natural consequence is that they either did or didn't get away with it. That's what happens when you lie. You either do or you don't get away with it. If you get caught in it, then there's a logical consequence where you are somehow disciplined for making a poor choice. There is a bit involved in determining a good logical consequence for your child's actions, though. We want to make sure that when we're deciding upon a logical consequence, that it is related in a way that the child understands the connection. You know, you deciding... Bobby stole Billy's toy, so now Billy gets to steal one of Bobby's toys. Is it fair? Maybe. Is it connected? Definitely. Well, you took his, so he gets yours. 
You don't want it to be something like, Bobby stole Billy's toy, so now Bobby has to clean Suzanne's car for a week. Why is Suzanne even involved in the consequence? She had nothing to do with the situation. That's what we're looking for. We want to make sure that it's a clear, direct connection as to why the outcome is happening. If your child doesn't understand it, it's not clear enough. From that, you can just... If you look at a situation and you aren't certain as to what to do about it for a logical consequence, ask your kid. Work together as a team to figure out what an appropriate consequence might be. Remembering to keep it connected to what was done that was inappropriate or wasn't okay. A consequence should also be respectful of the person who is being disciplined and reasonable to both parties, which is made easier if the two of you were came together and worked out what it was going to be. And again, tie it all back into that consistency. It is something that is enforced every time. So if you have a situation and it happens again and you had a good disciplinary action that followed, do the same disciplinary action. If you had a similar situation, you can even tie back into it. Be like, hey, you remember when this happened and we did that? Yeah, well, now that you've did this, we're going to do this. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I get that. It's a similar situation, for sure. Those are some things that you can work with. The next thing we're going to look at here is the more common mistakes regarding disciplinary action. It's really easy to make a mistake. It's really easy as a human being to fall into your emotions instead of your logic portion of your brain to make good decisions. It's just human nature. So mistakes come. We've touched on it before. If you make a mistake, own up to it. Work with your kids about working, improving from there. However, here's when you are disciplining your children. You want to avoid giving criticism. And what I mean by that is that you don't want to be criticizing your child. You want to make sure that when you're talking to them about something they've done wrong, you focus on the behavior or the action, not the child. It's not, you're so rude. When you said this, that was very rude. Right? You're still addressing the problem. and You're focusing on the problem, but you're not connecting that poor behavior as a staple of the child. It's not a building block of them. It's just something that they maybe shouldn't have chosen to do. And that's the key aspect of that. I need to work on that. I'm better some days than I am others. But I know certain situations, it is easier just to simply blame the other person than it is to look at the behavior of the other person. Very tricky. The next one is to discipline in private. Take a child aside when you're dealing with a situation. When they're really, really young, like toddlers, they don't have humility, so you don't have to worry about this. But um, school-age children, for sure. Uh, and definitely as teenagers. Even as an adult, think about it. Would you rather your boss calls you into the office and had a conversation with you sitting at his desk about something you did wrong rather than coming and finding you in the middle of the lunchroom with everybody on their lunch break and having the same conversation with you? Even if it's the exact same conversation, 
you're going to feel a little bit uncomfortable about everybody knowing. I mean, chances are they would know, but it's a lot more definite if they're there when you get in trouble. Wait until you're calm. This one is going back to that whole, it's easier to bounce into our emotions than it is to find our logical reason, reasoning portion of our brain when given any situation, really. So if you need to calm down, communicate this with your child. This will help you make better choices. And it sets a good example. Tell your kids that, listen, I'm upset right now. I would like to deal with this situation, but I need a minute. And I know that in a minute, when I come back and we talk about this, I'll be able to make better decisions as to how we're going to move forward from here. I've been doing really good with this one. My spouse is awesome at this one. From that, don't avoid conflict. If your child is the one getting mad, tell them they need to take a minute. They might not take that very well, but if you've been setting that example, they might even catch themselves in it and say, well, I need a minute. Okay, that's fine. Take a minute and come back and we're going to finish talking about this. That's perfectly acceptable. If it's okay for you to take a minute, it's definitely okay for them to take a minute. Right? Now, you know, it's just key to remember, it is your job to discipline, to educate them. So don't be scared or hesitant to discipline and follow through, even if they're yelling and screaming at you at the top of their lungs. No, that's great. You keep yelling at me, but this is how it is. Another two, I think we had two left. But don't trap yourself with negative reinforcement. Things like bribing your child. Uh, two weeks ago in bedtime routines, we had a similar concept come up. This is where you tell your child, I'm not coming back into your room no matter how much you scream. You leave, they cry, you go back in. And we talked about how that causes more damage because now they think, so long as I scream loud enough, they'll come to me. <laughs> right? That's not what we're looking for. That's still a bribe of sense, of sorts, I should say. That's reinforcing that negative behavior. You don't want to give your children a reason to misbehave, essentially. And it's very easy to decide, if you stop behaving that way, I'll give you a candy. I'll let you do this. I'll let you do that. When you're setting up your rules, make sure you also set up your consequences. Timeouts, quiet times, removal of an item from proximity or possession. All good ones. The last common mistake we're going to talk about here is not to start a power struggle. Learn to pick your battles. Think about whether or not something your child is doing is actually worth the energy that you're about to put into it. You know, ask yourself, is it safe? If no one's going to get hurt, is it a problem? Well, does it follow the rules? You have your three rules. Does it break any of them? 
No. And the last question you got to ask yourself is, why not? I forget what course we took when we learned the uh, approach of why not. Asking yourself why not before you ask your children to stop doing something. And that one was one that really sit with us. I don't even remember if it was actually part of the program we were in or if it was just a conversation we were having with the facilitator. But uh, we follow that all the time. If you're a friend of ours and you follow us on social media, you'll see uh, a lot of hashtag why not uh, posts from us with regards to our parenting. Such as all of my children running around in just their undergarments in our backyard. Why not? That's what they wanted to do. Why not? The next thing we want to consider is the power of positivity. And we bring this up pretty well every episode, along with role modeling, is the idea that we need to encourage good behavior. You know, children learning from their mistakes is only part of the education that we can provide them as parents. We can also be giving them praise with exact examples and why they're getting their praise when they show us good behavior. If your kids are playing quietly and they're doing great, tell them that they're doing great. And we commonly have this fear of, oh, if I draw attention to the fact that I'm overseeing them right now, they'll disrupt themselves. Just back away slowly from the good behavior and I won't uh, cause a scene. Cause a scene. Get right up, be explosive. Oh my Lord, look at how wonderful you children are behaving. Get creative. I like voices. I just, it's my thing. My shtick. That and lots of sing-song. Lots and lots of sing-song in this household. Now, show your children love on a regular basis. Because children who are loved will behave better. We have talked about children's love languages uh, in previous episodes here on Dad's Class YouTube channel and podcast. We have the Showing Your Children Love episode of the RC, RRC series, these pamphlets. And we also recently talked about, you know, quality time. And quality time is one of the love languages. We had a whole episode dedicated to finding quality time in your quantity of time you probably have right now with your kids. So if you haven't already, I would recommend going and finding some of those other episodes if you want to dig deeper into how to show your kids love to encourage those good behaviors. And this was kind of mentioned already with this one, this show earlier on, but talking to your children with your expectations. When they list this example in here, however, this pamphlet, it's more about doing so without needing to, or preemptively, I should say. You know, I'm really good about when we discuss a poor behavior in our house, reflecting with our children about what our expectations are going forward from that poor behavior or that mistake. But what we need to start doing, what I definitely could try to do more of is just randomly talking to them about expectations. You know? Before they go and make a poor choice or have a bad behavior, just say to them, you know, I... You know, I really love that we have such well-behaved children in this house, and I really expect going forward to see, you know, this good, clean uh, type of play going on between my children on a regular basis, or whatever. 
I definitely had a better example when I did this the first time, but I can't think of it now. Provide your children practice for situations to see if they come up with the right results. You know, the good behaviors. You can role play. You can ask what if questions about different situations. What if Bob decides he's going to hand you a lit cigarette? What are you going to do? And this will let them implement their self-discipline and show you what you've taught them in a way that might portray itself different or better than you might come to think. Up until this point, everything that we've talked about has been basically about giving them a pot, a little handmade pottery. In this next section here, we're going to talk about them filling their soil. Now, we've disciplined them, we've educated them, we've given them a solid foundation, this good, solid, concrete block to put a plant in. What we need to do is give them the opportunity to fill that pot and grow their self-discipline now. You know, self-discipline, it requires responsibilities. You have to give them a responsibility and help them succeed in those responsibilities so that they can learn to manage their own time and their own behavior and do well with things without your influence. Think about your child's age and find chores that are age appropriate, also ability appropriate, and then coach your children to do better. The first time I let the kids do the dishes together, I just let them have at her. I came by once in a while, took them quite a long time. And when they were done, we looked at how they stacked the dishwasher and we reorganized things and we talked about why we were doing that. So the next time they could do better. And then we figured out as a team that if we stack my daughter who's short on top of the counter and my son who's tall passes things up to her, she can put everything in the high cupboards without hitting her head off the roof. You know, we discovered teamwork out of that conversation. And that's how we improve their ability to be self-disciplined. And also they're learning some teamwork options there in that particular example. When your children are going to school, their number one responsibility is going to be homework when they come home. That's a debate for a different time. I know some people don't care for homework. I know if my boss sent me home with a scaffold to build and bring back the next day, I'd be really confused, first of all. But there are still choices within doing their homework that you can offer your children so that they can gain confidence in their own abilities. Uh, where they're going to do their homework, which subject they're going to do homework on first, that kind of thing. Those are decisions they can make towards showing you their self-discipline. When faced with a problem, don't step in to help your kids until you're needed. Also, when you're faced with a problem, ask their opinion. Well, what do you think? They might come up with a better idea. You might just be able to work them through a process to get to the idea you think is a solution. But it'll help show them a train of thought that will help them in the future for solving their own problems. Teach them self-care. 
teach them how to look after themselves, bathe themselves, brush their own teeth, get up in the morning, get ready for school, you know, get ready for bed at the end of the day. Ask yourself, can they do this themselves? If you were doing something for your child, ask yourself, well, can they do it themselves? Because if they can, then they should. Again, age-appropriate chores, that kind of stuff. You want to think about it a little bit. But it is good to kind of have that idea in your own mindset. Can they do it for themselves? Should they be doing it for themselves? Another core responsibility that you can start integrating into your children's lives is the concept of an allowance. You know, and then also, 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 help them with their financial understanding and responsibilities by working with them to make a budget. If you yourself aren't good at budgeting, work on that skill set first. Don't you can't that's that role modeling thing. You can't tell your children to budget their money if you don't budget yours. But it's crucial as an overall self-development to know how to budget things. This pamphlet actually had another really cool idea which was a screen time allowance which I thought that was interesting because when we talked about screen time last two weeks ago nowhere in my research that week was that a suggestion and I think that's really cool you know your kid gets 10 hours in the week of recreational screen time if they're doing homeschooling right now that's they're always in front of a screen but so you can maybe make that number smaller let them decide how it is. You're going to want to set out ground rules, right? You can't just decide you're going to sit up and watch 10 hours of television after I go to bed. You know, between these hours, you can have screen time each day. How do you want to spend it? Let them figure that out. Maybe, you, you know, your assistant is setting out the rules for when they can have their screen time, but let them decide how to spend their budget on screen time. And even perhaps maybe this might be a good starting point for learning about budgeting before you add the monetary value of an allowance of money into it. It could be quite interesting. And I really, really, really do like enjoy And I really, really do like and enjoy this concept of a screen time budget. I think that's really cool. Something that we've talked about before and we'll continue to talk about, I'm sure, plenty of times is providing your children with choices over their own lives. Give your children age appropriate choices with your own desirable outcomes. If you want your older child to pick a sport to get involved with after school, give them a couple of sporting options as an extracurricular activity to choose from. If they're a younger child, let them dress themselves and say, you need a shirt, short sleeve shirt, if it's warm out, whatever. Tell them the outcome that you want, but don't restrict them to, you're wearing this shirt. Give them the choice just so they can feel like they have some level of control over things in their lives. It'll go a long way towards their self-esteem, uh, not just building up their self-confidence towards self-discipline. And then the last aspect of that is to Remember to praise your children for showing responsibility. If your child gets a TV allowance and they do really well with 
dividing their time throughout the week and not binging anything and not being upset at the end of their time span, praise them for doing so well with it, right? Especially if you're working towards reducing screen time in your household. For some children, that could be hard. So if they do well with it, praise them for that. Some final points I would like to mention are that every child learns these things differently. Not every child is going to easily just, oh yeah, I like this routine. I like these rules. Everything's going real great. Some kids are going to resist discipline, resist that education. If you have a child like our oldest boy who has ADHD and ODD in combination, it's really hard some days. And you have to work with your child's strengths and weaknesses as you cultivate and sculpt them into who you hope for them to be. Otherwise, you're just going to be fighting the whole time. If you find you're still struggling, if you're still having trouble uh, working discipline into your daily routine or into your lives, talk to schools, talk to other parents, find groups like ParentLink within your community that might have other resources or information. If you know somebody who's struggling with this, share with them this podcast. We have lots of ideas. Send me a message on Twitter. You know, I have problems with my kids sometimes, but maybe I can help you with yours a little bit. No promises, but sometimes it just helps to talk things out with another adult. A big one is to remember you are not the first parent to have a problem child or to have difficulty following through on disciplining your children. That's pretty normal. The last point I want to make is every age range is going to have different twists on discipline, but in all age groups, the key is to remain firm, fair, and consistent. The same rules apply to everybody every time. And when you're portraying that to people, you are confident in communicating your message to them about the rules and the discipline. Question of the week. How well have you or did your parents do in providing you with those three concepts? The fair, the firm, and the consistent discipline. Um, I know with my parents, it was very much, my, mon- my mother was the honey and my father was the axe. My mother was often too easy on me. And my father was often too strict on me. And yeah, there was a balance there, but that's not really what we're going for. Um, my, my parents always, you know, pulled towards each other and found some level of middle ground as well. But, you know, as an overall, my mother was definitely always sweeter and my father was not. <laughs> and that is definitely a generational thing for sure. Uh, within our own home, we very much fluctuate on you know finding firm being too harsh being too easy both my spouse and i you know this is still a learning process for us um and i don't think you ever really stop learning so that's good it's when you think you know it all that's there's a problem right we are very good in our house about providing consistent discipline 
and we are good about making sure that the rules are fair. If it if I break a rule or I'm not doing something I'm supposed to, my spouse is right on it. Put me in a timeout, or my toddler will put me in a timeout if he doesn't think I'm being nice to somebody or something. And it's cute as all heck. But you know that's that's our family. So let me know in the comments below, or reach out to me on Twitter, and uh, answer this week's question guys as with every episode i look forward to hearing your feedback so please rate the show on whatever podcast app you're listening to this on if you're on youtube down below the bridge where all the trolls live leave a comment set comment in the comment section you can always follow the show on twitter at dad's class over on facebook you can give our page a like at facebook.com slash dad's class You'll also be able to find in the links to this episode uh, our website, our merchandise shop. You can get some shirts, some leggings, magnets, all sorts of stuff. If there's something you guys would like to see there, let me know. I am going to be working on tweaking that a little bit more, cleaning it up a bit in the future. Uh, And they are still experiencing delays on delivery from the supplier on that. So if you do decide to order something from today's from the show today do know that they are still experiencing delays if you'd like to get in touch with me you can find m- me with email uh, over at crownso at gmail.com that's c-r-o-w-n-e-s-s the number zero at gmail.com and you can find me with that same username at crownso on twitter tiktok twitch discord xbox pretty much anywhere That's where you'll find me. If you found this class informative, please share it with your friends and see what they think about it. Thanks for listening and have yourselves a good night.